Warning. The following broadcast is not intended to be a substitute for legal advice or firearm safety, competence, or proficiency training. This broadcast is solely for entertainment, discussion, and informational purposes. Side effects may include a sudden undeniable urge to exercise your Second Amendment rights, and you may in fact turn into a gun nut. You've been warned. Welcome to Locked, Loaded, and Legal. I'm your host, firearms instructor Jose Morales. And I'm your host, attorney Mike Giramita. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what you don't know and how it'll get you in trouble, the importance of learning. Now, Jose, this is something that comes up in both of our respective fields quite often, and we tell each other stories, so I think it would behoove the audience for us to tell them a few of our stories. So why don't we get right into it? Why don't you tell the folks about a situation where you feel that the proper training and education could have prevented a tragedy? Well, the first story that comes to mind was a call that I received from a gentleman that um, he needed to take a basic pistol course in order to get his license to carry back. And this is a common theme I hear over and over again. So, of course, you know, I started probing a little bit. I go, well, tell me a little bit about the reasons why. And what ended up happening was this gentleman had his legally um, issued license to carry, and he decided to carry on a Saturday night while going to the club clubbing and he proceeded to go to the club but before he went into the club he knew that he couldn't carry his firearm so he unholstered it and he put it in his trunk and he claims that once the night was over he was in the process of reholstering his firearm when it discharged shot him in the leg and uh, actually, he was sitting in the car. It discharged as he was as he was reholstering. Shot him in the leg. Went through his leg. Went through the bottom of the uh, the vehicle. And when he filed that that police report, of course, his license to carry in Philadelphia was suspended. Um, he got his gun confiscated. And when he, I guess, he, when he got out of the uh, the emergency room, he uh, he had to find a. Uh, a basic pistol instructor in order to get his license back. He was mandated to get firearm safety training after the uh, the accident occurred. So that's one of. And again, I've uh, I've had no multiple people in 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 you know in my business come on in with similar stories. But that's the first one that comes to mind. What story comes to mind on, on your end, Mike? Well, on my end, when I think about tragedies, I think about legal tragedies. Meaning, I think about folks who had they known and understood the law. Prior to these incidents taking place, they could have avoided themselves being charged with crimes, ending up in the legal system, ending up with convictions, ending up spending thousands of dollars and and ruining really their circumstances with their family. So I had a gentleman who contacted me well after the fact when he had been involved in an incident where he had to use a firearm, did not have to pull the trigger on his property to protect himself, to protect his loved ones. Now, unfortunately, what happened in this situation is after he draws his firearm, the bad guys take off, and of course they contact the police and relay an entirely different story. Now, they being the bad guys. 
The bad guys, gotcha. right. So the bad guys take off after they see the firearm, and they concoct this story about how you know they were just showing up to make sure everything was okay. and They were minding their own business. Minding their own yeah. business on this guy's property. Guy comes out with a gun and shoves it in their face. Now, unfortunately, our guy didn't have much experience with the criminal justice system, and when the police showed up, his first instinct is what? cooperate right sure yeah tell you them everything you have nothing to hide right, right? I'm, I'm the good guy in this situation I've never been in trouble let me just talk with the police now the problem with that is this guy had a gross misunderstanding of the law uh, first of all in these types of situations we commonly recommend that people don't make any statements without an attorney right and, you know it's okay to want to cooperate but it's much better off to have counsel present in order to make sure that uh, your rights are being respected under these circumstances and you're not uh, you know, badgered into saying something that you don't necessarily mean. But this gentleman, uh, he cooperates fully in having this discussion and basically admitted to everything that he was accused of because uh, he was just trying to cooperate. Figured if he told the police the things that he thought they wanted to hear, that that would be the end of that. Uh, he ended up... You know, articulating not only a gross mischaracterization of the facts, but he also ended up articulating a gross misunderstanding of the law, uh, talking about the use of deadly force to protect property, which under certain circumstances in Pennsylvania is afforded for under the law, but really when you take a closer look at it, the circumstances where the law allows you to use deadly force to protect property these are really circumstances where somebody's life and well-being would be in danger. So it's sort of a misnomer. Now, because of what he said uh, on the spot, we had to go in. Fortunately, we were able to preserve this gentleman's liberty and receive somewhat of a favorable outcome. Uh, but not before he had to get involved in the criminal justice system, you know, go down, get his fingerprints, and spending all this money on attorney's fees and, and other types of... Uh, methods of remedy so this was a situation where had this gentleman known and understood the law prior to this incident he would have been in much better shape well you know and you bring a really really valid point and police although you know they're upholding the law they may or may not have an individual's best interest in mind my lawyer would have my best interest in mind right sure they've got a job to do because I've got plenty of friends who are retired law enforcement officers. I work very closely with them and giving seminars on the gun laws. And these are folks who have become some of my best friends. They're like family, and I trust my life with them. But the bottom line is that when a law enforcement officer is on the job, you cannot argue with the fact that they are not your advocate. Their job is not to protect your best interest. Their job is to perform that investigation. And if somebody uh, is guilty of a crime or if somebody at least uh, provides them with the probable cause to charge that crime, many times they use their discretion to go ahead and do so. So you've got to understand that, uh, that your uh, legal well-being is not always their uh, motivation and their goal. And you compound that by the fact that a lot of states really don't require anybody to, to prove any formal competency in either the law or firearms handling 
prior to getting a license to carry. And the analogy I use is, you know, when you get a driver's license, you have to show competency by taking some kind of physical exam mm-hmm. and some also usually a written exam or an electronic exam. And then you're held to a standard based on the laws that you're supposed to be familiar with. But now they give us a card that says, hey, we can carry a tool of deadly force. And, you know, it's on us to know when we can and can't use the gun, what those legal um, rules for use of deadly force are. But, um, you know, we don't want to end up learning, you know, after we've pulled the gun and figuring it out the hard way. And I think that your story also is a great example of what you're talking about. Fits right in because sometimes when people talk about uh, the lax requirements here in Pennsylvania, they, they say, well, anybody can get a license to carry firearms. You don't know who's carrying. Well, the fact of the matter is, statistically, people with a license to carry firearms commit crimes at a lesser rate than law enforcement officers. So I don't think that our primary concern is people with a license to carry intentionally uh, going out and breaking the law, breaking or, the law mm-hmm. harming anybody or anything of that nature. But something that you don't hear a whole lot about, and I'm not familiar with the statistics, I wonder if there are any, is at what rate these states that don't require this type of training and, and you know... Uh, proof of competency, proof of competency almost, yeah. yeah. W- at what rate do people have negligent discharges? And at what rate do people have these sorts of uh, senseless tragedies happen that, that are not intentional, necessarily? So uh, I think that that's a great point that you made We've got to keep that in mind because in your guy's situation, yeah, that sounds like it hurts a whole lot, and it must have been a, a real pain for him to you know, re- recover physically and embarrassing for him to have to try to go through the process after the fact, but thank God nobody else was hurt. And that's the key. You know, that's the key, and, and I hear this over and over again, and one of the challenges as a firearms instructor is to, especially because we have these kind of lax requirements, um, we have such um, immediate access to firearms and the internet and so on and so forth. The person buys a gun, they um, they get a box of ammunition, they go to the range, they pop off a couple of rounds, they get a license to carry, and they go, oh, I'm good to go. You know, I've practiced um, pointing my gun and pulling the trigger, right? Um, mm. And and I maybe uh, have surfed on the internet a little bit and have a general kind of idea of the castle doctrine, stand your ground laws, just, you know, deadly force. But they haven't really done their due diligence and actually learned from a credible source. And that's really what is going to get us into trouble. What we don't know is what's going to get us into trouble. And you don't have to learn the hard way. And we're back with Locked, Loaded, and Legal. Just a reminder to our listeners, we want to hear from you. The show is about you, so reach out to us at LockedLoadedAndLegal.com. You can find our contact information as well as our social media platforms. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And beyond that, keep us apprised of your progress. How are you becoming a better gun owner? So, Jose, when we left, we were talking about some senseless tragedies where education and training could have potentially avoided these things. We talked about specific stories, but how do people learn in your side of the business? Well, you know, that's a good question. People don't have to learn the hard way. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to learn um, the hard way through uh, expenses and through legal expenses and through any um, and through and through accidents. 
it's best to kind of uh, take a proactive approach to education and learn prior to needing to to apply the knowledge. And a couple of the terms that that keep uh, being bounced back and forth are education and training. You know, in uh, this in the firearms industry, education and training. I got to go train. I got to go train. I want to make a distinction between education and training. Education is actually the acquisition of knowledge. Generally, you have that um, take place in a classroom with an instructor. You apply that knowledge through practice, and that's what training is all about. So after you've acquired some skill sets, after you've acquired knowledge, you go ahead and practice that knowledge through exercises, through manipulation of the firearm, and so on and so forth, and you develop those skills. A lot of people confuse going to the range and shooting a gun with actual training or education. That's practice. You can't practice what you haven't learned. So it's one of these kind of catch-22s. If you don't know on the legal side um, the standards by which you're going to be judged, you can't act to those standards. If you don't know the physical skills to load a gun properly and unload a gun properly, um, you're not going to be able to under stress divert back and handle that gun properly. And again, I really want to make that very clear to people because I hear it all the time. People are going to, people say to me, well, I've been around guns, you know, I've been shooting for a long time, which is fantastic. But when I ask them, okay, has anyone actually taught you how to properly load and unload a firearm? They go, well, no, but uh, but, uh, I'm going to the range. So how do you know that those skills are safe? How do you know that you've learned the process to actually handle that gun properly and safely um, under the watchful eye of someone that says to you, oh, wait a second, you just pointed the gun three times at your foot, once at me, and uh, you need to step up your game and be more careful. Or, hey, take your finger off that trigger. Um, you didn't realize you had it in there, buddy, did you? You know, so again, education and training are very, very different. We have to have a foundation of education and then hone that education over time through proper practice. Practice doesn't make perfect. Proper practice, proper repetitions, correct repetitions make perfect. So that's kind of like how people learn those hearts, those proper skills of manipulating the gun. Had that individual practice proper muzzle discipline and trigger discipline and proper slow holstering and building that into, into his competency. Um, that probably wouldn't have happened. So that's, you know, just an example of how education could have avoided that particular tragedy where the, where the gentleman shot himself and shot the floor of his vehicle out. You know, how do people learn about the law, though? To, you know, in your opinion, Mike, how do people learn about these legal processes and these procedures that they need to know prior to, you know, shooting, the, you know, having to use the gun? Well, it's it certainly shouldn't be through going through the legal system itself, because that's an expensive way to learn. Let's face it, you know, a, a decent criminal defense attorney on the East Coast is going to run you about 400 bucks an hour, and not even law school is that expensive. Uh, the fact of the matter is, there are a lot of things that go into these situations that you want no part of if you can avoid them. One being jail time, uh, you know, others being the expense and just the anxiety of going through the criminal justice system and being involved in this kind of a case. So you can learn about the, the legal system and the laws of your state uh, through an attorney directly. That's one way to do it. You can learn through attending seminars where attorneys teach folks about the law. Uh, but there's no substitute in your unique situation for one-on-one counsel with an attorney. Now, there are excellent resources out there. 
uh, for folks to read about the laws. Uh, one thing I like to caution people about is some people will go and they'll, they'll pull the statutes and try to just read the black letter law. But the problem is that if you're just reading the statutes, you're not getting the case law. So you're not understanding how the courts have interpreted this law. You might have an interpretation on your own that's different than the courts have come up with. So it's important to have sort of a comprehensive approach to these sorts of things. So uh, in-person education is excellent. Uh, one of the things you get to do is ask questions back and forth during these things, and you might have considerations that you never thought about. One thing you've got to be careful about, internet forums, information that's on the streets, Sometimes these things get twisted and end people up in a lot of trouble. So it's important for you to take the steps to ensure that your source is uh, truly accurate and authoritative uh, for your situation. Now, one of the things that you brought up that comes to mind, you talked about practicing the wrong way. That can you know, be an issue not only on the practical side, but on the legal side. And I had an old baseball coach tell me practice does not make perfect practice makes permanent mm. and that's absolutely correct if you practice something over and over again the wrong way you're going to do it the wrong way when it's time to do it so that's something that's important to make sure that you're uh, refining your skills on both sides now i did want to mention one other quick thing we've got a u.s law shield member who is uh, a professor at the war college lifelong military and I won't, Hoorah. I, uh, I won't mention names, but we truly appreciate his service. Uh, he actually told me that since he's been attending seminars and since he's gotten to learn more about the law and interaction with law enforcement officers, one of the things that he's incorporated into his training is after he's through firing the weapon and securing the firearm, he'll actually recite out loud, Officer, Respectfully, I want to cooperate with your investigation, but I can't make any statements until I've spoken with my attorney. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really interesting approach to this sort of thing. This is a guy with combat experience on many levels, and, and he's really taken the time to practice and create that uh, you know, habit of if, God forbid, he's involved in that situation where he has to protect himself or a loved one, it's going to be second nature to invoke his right to silence an attorney rather than hoping that he remembers to do so and remembers to stick to his plan. That's a, that's a really, really great habit to, to inculcate into your normal training regimen. And the question really is, do you have, you the listener, have a training regimen? Do you actually have a verified correct training regimen and that you can actually practice correct skill sets? Again, practice makes permanent. I love that. I'm going to mm -hmm. start using that. You know, uh, one of my students says, you know, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect, That's right? That's a good one, too. Under stress, I tell people we never rise to the occasion. It doesn't happen. We always drop down or revert back to the lowest level of competency that we've mastered, either correct or incorrect through repetition whatever you've done the most is what you're going to do under stress you're going to revert back down to that baseline so if he does practice you know after those reality-based scenarios to 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 actually um articulate his his interactions with law enforcement that's awesome that's one more repetition that he has under his belt and he doesn't have to worry about figuring it out um, while he has a police officer in front of him, that's phenomenal. It's really, really a really, really good, uh, good training point. So we need to have those reality-based approaches to our training. And if we really haven't gotten any formal education, 
please go out there and find a qualified instructor. Find someone who has a proven track record of education, who has credentials, and who has good reviews either on social media or from other instructors or from other students so that you can learn the right way. Hi, Jose Morales here. Mike and I want to take a minute to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to us. If you find the broadcast interesting or informative, please tell others about us and consider showing your support either by becoming a patron on Patreon or through a donation on PayPal via the links at LockLoadedAndLegal.com. Thanks again and stay safe. And we're back with Lock, Loaded, and Legal. I'm your host, Jose Morales, with our host, Mike Giermita. Now, Mike, we were talking a little bit about examples where education um, would have avoided a tragedy, and then we segued over to how people learn best. In this segment, I think we should talk a little bit about how, um, what exactly, rather, people should learn. What are the skills that they would need to know from the legal um, aspect, the legal side of the house, as well as from the practical firearms ownership side of the house? Because, again, the goal of this podcast is to talk about the intersection between the both, between both. Sure, and obviously we couldn't practically sit here and talk about every single thing you need to know, so hopefully what we can do during this segment is point you in the right direction of some broader topics. Now, first of all, before we get into these topics, I want everybody to be careful about where you get your legal advice and where you get your advice on the practical side. On your firearms-related side, absolutely. Yes, a little disclaimer, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you've got to make sure that you're, you're getting advice from people who are qualified to do so. And when it's legal advice, frankly, it's got to be an attorney who's licensed to practice in your jurisdiction, particularly if they're applying laws to facts. Uh, in your specific circumstances. So. so so if I own a law book, right, or I have a law <laughs> buddy, or I've watched a certain number of uh, Perry Mason episodes or, or something, am I, I'm not qualified? Well, frankly, even if you are you have some kind of business in that general field, and you might know a whole lot about the laws, but the, the problem is that legally you can't provide that person for legal advice. And, you know, if something happens it's really not going to fall back on them the way it would on an attorney. And there's a reason why, you know, it's difficult to, to get these credentials and go through this process. And certainly you know, there are attorneys who have been around for years and years who know some things about certain areas but not about others. And the fact of the matter is nobody can know every single law. So you've really got to uh, seek out competent counsel in your area of law. So that's number one. That's a really good point, Mike. You talked about, you know, not everyone who is an attorney is even qualified to talk about, let's say, certain areas of the law. They're all experts on, on certain areas, not on everything, right? Sure. I mean, don't ask me about tax law. That's something that, that I don't uh, practice. So I'm going to have to send you to somebody who's focused on that area of the law. There, there are several areas of the law that because they're, they're so focused and they're so complicated, uh, this is a majority of what people do. So, you know, for me particularly, about 70% of my practice is focused on firearms-related laws, and this is something uh, that I've chosen to devote my career to. Now, that being said, there are a couple of different broad topics that I think everybody needs to know if you're going to be a gun owner. Number one would be the justified use of deadly force. Out of the gate, that is something you absolutely need to know if you're a gun owner. Because the fact of the matter is, if you are willing to pull that trigger, you must be familiar with when the law justifies the use of deadly force. Now, are those guys covered in the Pennsylvania Crimes Codes? 
Uh, sure, the laws are explained in the Pennsylvania Crimes Code. Uh, we've got the section dealing with justification and then uh, further section dealing with justification related to the defense of property. So uh, in that chapter five of the Crimes Code, you're gonna find your justifications, but the problem is, like I said earlier, uh, they don't specifically outline each and every circumstance, and you need to understand how the courts have interpreted these different laws. And let's face it, many times people will read the law, and it's boring. It's dry. They read like stereo instructions. <laughs> it's horrible. So That's why I call you, them. Mike. You can read them all you want, and you might not understand them. So it's important to have a conversation with an attorney uh, who's familiar with this stuff. The second thing I think people need to know is interaction with law enforcement. What are your rights when you're interacting with law enforcement officers? And what are your obligations when you're interacting with law enforcement officers? There are all kinds of misconceptions, and some of them might vary from state to state. For example, whether you're legally obligated to inform a law enforcement officer that you're carrying a firearm. I know many people think that you're required to do so immediately in every state, but that is simply not the case. Another thing people need to know about is concealed carry, right? Where can I carry? Where can I not carry? What are the differences between the state and federal prohibitions? Uh, are there any magazine capacity restrictions? Are there any limitations as to the amount of firearms I can carry on my person? Or does my license to carry go beyond firearms? Does it include other deadly weapons? These are all considerations that you've got to take into account state by state. Another one is interstate travel. If I want to travel with my firearm, what are the things I need to know, particularly when it comes to the federal law and 18 U.S.C. 926A, the safe passage provision. And then finally, one last one that I recommend gun owners know, and it's commonly overlooked, the laws of search and seizure. I think everybody ought to know the laws of search and seizure as a gun owner so you understand what your rights are and what you must legally do and what the threshold is for law enforcement officers during those interactions. And many times people have a gross misunderstanding of what's required of them during these interactions. So those are just some brief points that I think people ought to explore if you're going to be a gun owner. Jose, what about you on your side? Well, to, just to backtrack for a quick second, is, sure. is there some kind of book written by some kind of lawyer somewhere that may cover, you know, some of this information may be covered in, Mike? <laughs> well, sure. Uh, there's a book called Pennsylvania Gun Law, Armed and Educated, co-authored by myself and attorney Justin McShane. And we tried to make this book a uh, sort of all-inclusive resource for folks out here in Pennsylvania. And we tried to make it read more manageably than the statutes would. So I uh, encourage people to check it out if you want to read some interesting discussions on Pennsylvania law. It is an it's a it's a really well written book and it, it doesn't really read like stereo instructions. It it reads almost like common English. And what's kind of nice too is that if you guys have any questions, um, that's why we're here. So you know you can go to to lockedloadedandlegal.com and send us an email. Reach out to us via social media, and uh, and ask your questions. That's we're a resource for you. That's the reason why we're here. So from the practical firearms handling portion of the house. Um, I, I can't underscore enough how important it is for people to know how to properly and safely handle their firearm. 
and I people roll their eyes. I can see y'all rolling your eyes now. Well, I've been handling firearms since. Yeah, but have you been handling them properly? I suggest every single individual that hasn't taken a firearm safety course, even a foundational firearm safety course, a basic firearm safety course, go ahead and take one. You're going to walk away with a lot of knowledge. At the very least, if you know it all, you're going to be under the watchful eye of an instructor that can maybe point out mistakes. I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. Ask my wife, she'll agree. You know, when I learn, I learn all the time and I love to be, you know, I love to have mistakes pointed out by students because it's another set of eyes. So again, people don't learn safe gun handling by fire, by handling firearms. They learn safe gun handling under the watchful eye of a professional that can point out how incredibly unsafe we tend to be. And, you know, believe it or not, we don't want to get stuck in this remedial educational circle. Mike, I don't know how many individuals you've referred to basic pistol courses that have had negligent discharges, accidents, things like that. They could have been avoided had they taken the course to begin with. Again, I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm very, very passionate about the issue. You acting like you want to say something, Mike. Go ahead, say it. <laughs> well, one of the things that I was thinking as you're going through all these sorts of things with people... Uh, learning by handling firearms is that sometimes people do learn by handling firearms, Jose. I'm going to say that they do. And the reason that they do is because they shoot themselves in the leg. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they learn, hey, I'm never going to do that again. So I'm going to take these measures to make sure that doesn't happen. Now, that is not the most fun way to learn. Yeah. Just yeah. like the, the most fun way to learn the law is not to be charged with the crime and brought to trial and going to prison. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you don't have to learn the hard way, and I think that's really the point of this podcast, the point of this show, is for us to get this information out there to people so they can take these appropriate measures ahead of time, and, and they don't have to end up in that situation. You don't have to be a statistic. You don't have to learn the hard way. So absolutely, really good points, Mike. And you know, my final two other points to, to mention to everybody is... Uh, make sure that you review your gear, that you have the proper gear. You have the proper holster, a proper gun belt, um, that it, they fit your gun properly, that they fit your body properly, and that they are quality. Uh, and they don't. And by quality, I don't mean the most expensive, but a that they meet certain criteria that we can discuss in later episodes. Your gear is really, really important so that when you reholster, it doesn't snag, your shirt doesn't fall in, and uh, and get into that trigger guard, and you have a, a what I call a one-time mistake. Like you do it once, but you'll never do it again because mm -hmm. you're in the ER figuring, oh, I should have bought a better holster, right? And. Uh, that's one thing that irritates me, by the way. And this is the gun guy coming out in me, but somebody's got, a, somebody's got a $1,000 gun and they throw it in a $7 holster that yeah, they bought at yeah. the gun show. Yeah, I look at him, I'm like, you know, I'd rather wrap my gun in duct tape in a brown paper bag than put it in that holster you have. But it hey, me nuts. It, but you know what? Again, we're, we're gun guys. It's like getting a, you know, a $4,000 camera, putting it on a $10 tripod. But, you know. And finally, guys, learn how to interact with law enforcement properly because we don't want to be a statistic. Our police officers, our first responders, they just want to get home like anybody else but again if we don't know how to properly interact with them and show them that we're card carrying good guys we're gonna have a bad day and everybody at the end of the day wants to get home to their family and that's why we're carrying and that's why we're second amendment advocates so those are the three areas that i suggest people focus on for their learning it's a good place to start what do you think mike 
I think that these are excellent points all around. And just like we talked about previously, I want everybody to keep us apprised of your progress. Please, please do so. Reach out to us and let us know how you're doing. Let us know what you want to hear. And let us know how you're enjoying our ramblings at Locked, Loaded, and Legal. Pictures or it didn't happen. Great seeing you, hearing from you. See you soon. You've been listening to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal, promoting firearm safety, training, and education so you don't have to learn the hard way. Brought to you by Philly Firearms Radio. For more information and to show your support, visit us at LockedLoadedAndLegal.com.